Defenders of the Bank is brought to you by basically just myself, Philly, and The Scarf. Hello. If you're interested in sponsoring us on our quest to becoming the premier LAFC podcast, don't forget to hit us up at Defenders of the Bank on Facebook and Instagram and Defend the Bank on Twitter. We aren't mental, so don't don't be be afraid. afraid. And without further ado, welcome to episode three of Defenders of the Bank with Philly and The Scarf. Hello again. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to episode three of Defenders of the Bank with Philly and the Scarf. Yeah, that's us. This is our holiday edition episode, and the holiday spirit was out in full force last night at Free Play LA. The Scarf and myself went to go donate some toys to the Expo Originals Toy Drive, as well as to promote the podcast and have a few drinks and... I, for one, had a blast, Scarf. I mean, we saw some familiar faces. We met some new ones. We played video games with Shav Brewer. What a great time last night. Oh, yeah. We had an absolute blast. It was so much fun to be out there with LAFC Rich. Rich, if you're listening, thank you for a wonderful evening. We love you, Rich. Uh, ran into the world-famous Max Bredos. Max. Played, played a couple of games with him, hung out. And, of course, the highlight of our evening, playing Killer Queen with... Shaft Brewer, if you're not following Shaft Brewer on all the different social media, he is an absolute fantastic follow. Such a nice guy too. Super nice. His buddy Morgan was there too, really cool guy. And it was just it was one of those those evenings that was it, we just had so much fun meeting all the different people that were out there for Black and Gold Night. Again, if you haven't been out to Free Play LA, Chef Tim Hollingsworth's uh, great spot above the fields and LAFC HQ. Just an awesome spot to grab some drinks, really good beer selection there, and really good food. If you haven't had the food up there, really, really good food. Absolutely. And I say that word absolutely an awful lot. Absolutely. Absolutely, I do. And they also have games up there and video games, and Scarf and I will be there as frequently as we possibly can. And if you happen to see us, challenge us to a game of shuffleboard, and if you win... We'll, be, we'll buy you a round. On Scarf, of course. Oh, man. Okay. So apparently I have to get my shuffleboard game in action now. Uh, I would much rather play as Raphael in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game that they have up there. That was my number two for sure. All right. So enough about that. Uh, we're going to get into the crux of our podcast. So today's episode, we're going to really quickly just go over the re-entry draft that happened on December the 20th. We're going to touch upon some news that have occurred around the MLS. Of course, we're going to talk about what's going on at LAFC. We're going to talk about our boys that were selected by Greg Berhalter on the U.S. men's national team, and we're going to wrap it up with our Wait What segment of the day, and of course, since it's the holidays, Philly and the Scarf's Christmas wish list. So let's get going, but before we do that, happy birthday to... Who do we have today? Let's see. How about Jordan Sparks? 28 years old today, Jordan Sparks uh, from American Idol fame. Uh, she has several different hit singles out. Normally, it's Philly that is <laughs> dropping knowledge Idol. like this. 
But it is Jordan Sparks' birthday today, December 22nd. Happy 28th birthday, Jordan Sparks. So I was thinking we'd start with somebody a little more talented than Jordan Sparks. I have to ask myself, who are you? But that's okay. Happy 24th birthday to Megan Trainer. If you remember, she was our honorary Falcon in the game against the Whitecaps. Falconer. Falcon, what did I say? Falcon. <laughs> no, she wasn't flying around. She was not stadium. a Falcon. She most certainly wasn't. But happy 24th birthday to her. Happy 55th to Ralph Fiennes. For those of you who don't, don't know. Don't say his name. Yes, the man from Harry Potter whose name you cannot say. Voldemort. Yeah, he, he turned 55 <laughs> years old today. Diane Sawyer. Diane Sawyer, host of 60 Minutes. Host of 60 Minutes, turned 73 today. For all of you Dodger fans out there, happy birthday. 70 years old today. Steve Garvey, club legend, one of the great four infielders in the 70s from the Dodgers. And I believe it's his like 146th birthday today for Connie Mack, Cornelius McGillicuddy. The longtime member of the Oakland Athletics Baseball Hall of Famer. And if you ever see a picture of him smiling, that'll be the first one that you've ever found. Because I've never seen the man smile in any pictures. And he's dead now, so I don't think he's going to smile anymore. No, no smiling. Just a couple more. Rick Nielsen, 72 of Cheap Trick. I want you to want me. (laughs) And uh, rounding it all out with Maurice and Robin Gibbs, both 69 years old. Both twins, both of the band Bee Gees. Ha, ha, how are they staying alive? Staying alive? Oh, wow. We've yeah. got a full-on karaoke thing going on right now. This it, is something. Me and John Daniels, baby. We're hanging out again. <laughs> so happy birthday. And then uh, this day in sports, anything special happen in the world of sports today? In 1969, Pistol Pete Maravich set the NCAA record for hitting 30 out of 31 free throws in a game. That guy averaged a ridiculous amount of points. He was a highly talented basketball player. Yeah. The amount of scoring that that dude would do at Louisiana State University... Unheralded. I, I still don't think anybody's even caught up to a lot of his scoring. Records. No, I believe he averaged somewhere between 44 points a game, something like that. One of the great college players of all time. His life, unfortunately, ended far too soon before he was able to translate a lot of his skills from college to the NBA. But Pistol Pete, fantastic player, 30 free throws in a game. On this day in 92, the football balloon. God, I never can say this right. Scarf, can you say it? Balloon Dior? Thank you. All right. Marco Van Basten. Wins it, and in 98, one of my favorite all-time players, Zinedine Zidane, wins this award. All right. Real quick, the organization that gives out the Ballon d'Or, this is kind of a little segue here, they gave out a best young player. I believe it's under 22 years old is the criteria. Obviously, Kylian Mbappe, a landslide winner of that award this year. But I was more shocked at the person who finished second in that award. Out of all of the great young players under the age of 22, it was the United States and Borussia Dortmund's very own Christian Pulisic that finished second in the voting for that award. We're talking a worldwide prestigious award given out by the same people that give out the Ballon d'Or. And really cool to know that America does have some hope, and we're going to talk more about the Team USA roster moving forward after the call-ups that we just had earlier in the week, but it's pretty neat to know that Christian Pulisic is looked at on the world stage as being one of the top premier young players in all of soccer. Borussia Dortmund has a fantastic academy, and the players that have gone on to other areas and other teams from Borussia Dortmund have had a hell of a career. I mean, the leading scorer in the Premier League right now is uh, Arsenal's Aubameyang, who came from Borussia Dortmund. The top manager on the top squad right now in the Premier League is Jurgen Klopp. 
Borussia Dortmund is a fantastic organization, and we have that partnership with them, and, th- and that's pretty cool. Absolutely. All right. Hey, there's that word again. Absolutely. <laughs> be like that Pee oh, Herman's Playhouse. Say it. That wraps up this day in sports. All right. Now let's get crack-a-malacking. Now, for those of you who have been listening to our podcast, you might have heard us talk about all the different drafts that have occurred over the course of the past several weeks. And December 20th wrapped up the last draft that we had for 2018, which was the MLS reentry draft. Not a whole lot that went on, but I did want to highlight it since we've been discussing it. Two players moved in this process. One of them being Tommy McNamara, 27-year-old from New York City Football Club. He went over to Houston. He spent four years playing at New York City Football Club. He scored 16 goals, had 14 assists in 86 games. Man started 66 games, and in 2014, he actually was a draft pick of Chivas USA. I got the honor and privilege of seeing this young kid play, and kid played really well. I really enjoyed watching him, and I wish him all the best uh, at Houston. And then that goes on to our second player, Matt Lampson, 29 years old, going from Minnesota United to the Carson Galaxy. He's joining his fourth club in his career. He had eight appearances at Minnesota United last year. Got loaned out to the fire. He's basically going to be a backup for another eh goaltender in Dave Bingham over at the Carson Galaxy. And that's really your re-entry draft, stage two. Um, all right, so now that we talked about the re-entry draft, what are they trying to re-enter? They're trying to get into the 2019 MLS season. And with that new season comes a brand new playoff format. Really excited to see the changes that were made to this playoff format. In fact, it's really the only format that LAFC has ever seen. It's a one-and-done, single-elimination format, (laughs) which is what happened to us, of course, against Real Salt Lake, and I still don't want to talk about it. But what it did was it allowed a seventh team, because of expansion now, the MLS at 24 teams, with FC Cincinnati joining next year. It allows seven teams in either division, the Western and the Eastern Conferences, to make the playoffs, it gives a first round bye to the number one overall seed and only the number one overall seed, which is a big change from last year. And again, top seven make it and you host as long as you have more points, the best record, until you get to the MLS final. Really interested to see who is able to come up and steal now that seventh spot. I talked about it last time. I think FC Cincinnati definitely has a chance. Um, This might help uh, that Carson team finally make the playoffs after missing it pretty terribly last year. Every round is basically going to be a knockout stage round. Having that home field advantage is going to be crucial, and all a team needs to do, all a team needs to do, is win four games the minute the playoffs starts, and poof, they're MLS Cup champions. That's right. Just like that. That's exactly what LAFC is going to do next year. I've called it on two of our podcasts so far. We are going to win the championship, just like Atlanta did in their second year. LAFC is going to win it in our second year. The part that I really like is that MLS seems to be acquiescing a bit to the international schedule. This is going to give the teams a lot more rest because they're going to have the October FIFA break now to get a little bit of rest in, get some training in, and the playoffs are actually going to end November 10th this coming season as opposed to early December like we had this last year. And that should help some of those cold weather teams too. It's not going to be quite as bad in late October, early November as it is in those late November, early December games. So it's, I think it's a great change overall for the MLS playoff structure. I know that you know we're going to be pushing 28 teams in the next five years or so. And getting more teams in, you know, it allows us to be right on par with a lot of the other leagues in terms of the percentages of how many teams get in 
And I think it's going to be a good thing. So moving forward, very excited to see it. It'll also mean having to spend just as much money on season tickets and playoffs next year because we're going to be hosting a lot of those playoff games. So I'm really excited about it. I completely agree with that. With a shortened season, though, one thing that'll for sure happen is we're going to get a few more midweek games than we were used to getting in the past. And I'm happy that the season's gotten shorter, but not for nothing. They would announce the winner of the Heisman Trophy before the MLS Cup wrapped up. That was sort of ridiculous within its own right. Playoffs are going to be a heck of a lot more exciting, and I'm a fan, as obviously you guys have picked up from the scarf mentioning it, he is a fan too of this new playoff change. Big fan of it. Yeah, every minute, every possession, every goal matters. It's not an aggregate anymore. Anything that you do in that game could have a dire effect or a fantastic effect on your playoff chances moving forward. So it's a single elimination, one game only format. All right, speaking of the new teams, Austin, one of our new MLS franchises that's going to be kicking off in the next couple of years, just had their stadium approved. Business owner PSV, not to be confused with the Dutch team, Pre-Court Sports Ventures, and the city agreed to a privately funded $225 million stadium that's going to have a capacity of about 20,000 fans. And I am extremely excited. I love Austin, Texas. That is a city I almost considered moving to. There's a school, University of Texas, I almost moved to. That'll definitely be an away venue that I'm going going to be more than happy to attend and, and visit. Yeah, Mr. Precourt, not the most loved man in Columbus, Ohio, as he tried to steal that team and move it on over to Austin. It looks, again, if you've listened to our last episode, you'll know that it looks like the owner of the Cleveland Browns, Jimmy Haslam and the Haslam family, are going to be saving the crew and keeping them in Columbus, Ohio. They're also working on a new stadium deal. But it is going to be a great away day when we head down to Austin, Barbecue Texas. City and live music, baby. Oh my goodness. I hear that Austin is a rather fun town. So that's going to be a good time. I can't wait to head out with a bunch of our other LAFC fans for a fantastic weekend down in Austin. Also, the first couple of renderings of Allianz Field in Minnesota came out this week. And if you want to see some great eye candy, check out Minnesota United's Twitter or Facebook feed, and you'll see some beautiful pictures of Allianz Field. That's going to be another beautiful away day. But the the stadium looks absolutely beautiful. Allianz Field, Minnesota United. It'll give people a reason to go see soccer in Minnesota. Absolutely. There's that word again. Absolutely. Got to stop saying that. Anyways, <laughs> if New Orleans ever had themselves an MLS team, that would be my second favorite city to go visit. Okay. MLS Don Garber. Get on that. Get an MLS team in New Orleans so we can go party down in the French Quarter and support more MLS soccer. We'll be able to go party in Miami soon, too. That'll be nice. Yes, the Miami Beckhams the are Miami on their Beckhams. way. Love it. A couple more tidbits, and we'll wrap up the segment of MLS News. Atlanta United was linked, as far as their coaching changes were concerned, to Frank DeBoer, who is a amazing Dutch international player, legendary guy who played at Ajax. He had a fantastic career as a player, not so much a fantastic career as a head coach, with the exception of his time spent in Ajax in the Dutch First Division. He had a 60% winning record there. He had a short stint at Inter Milan and at Crystal Palace. They fired him relatively quickly, but he is one of the individuals that's linked to Tata Martino's departure. And also, Puyol, who was the captain of FC Barcelona, is another individual who's also linked to possibly managing Atlanta United. So a lot of exciting things going on with the reigning MLS Cup champions. We have some really, really dignified international 
celebrities as far as soccer is concerned that could potentially be coaching in our league. Yeah, Atlanta United is one of those teams that you always have to pay attention to what's going on on their radar. Obviously, over the course of their first two years, they've done a lot of things right. So definitely keeping an eye out on anything that Atlanta United do over the course of their offseason, clearly looking to fill the void from Tata Martino. And last but not least, I found this interesting. I came across an article where the MLS was actually voted by Yahoo Finance as the 2018 Sports Business of the Year. Their total attendance in 2017 was up. I mean, in in 2018 was up from 2017. Ticket revenue went up. There was a 71% increase in MLS Cup viewership from the previous year. Atlanta United obviously was the gem of this expansion. Get this, Scarf. They fell, out of all the sports teams in the world, out of all the sports teams in the U.S., top 15 for attendance worldwide. They had more people go to their matches than Paris Saint-Germain, than Manchester City, and again, other than the NFL teams, the highest attended team in any sports league in North America. Yeah, and they play in an NFL stadium. Of course, they play in the where the Atlanta Falcons play there in Atlanta, Mercedes-Benz Field. And so they have an opportunity to fill 70,000 plus seats every single game. And we saw them do that in the MLS Cup. We nine saw times them do they that. did that. Yeah, I was going to say, nine times throughout this season. I believe they hold most of the top 10 of the highest attended MLS games of all time. And we're talking about regular season games, some of these. So it's pretty incredible. You know, we, we harped on it a little bit last podcast about how. It was something where a lot of people did not think that soccer could survive in the South. Soccer is not surviving in the South. Soccer is thriving. Soccer is running things in the South. And Atlanta is probably their favorite team right now is Atlanta United. Of course, considering that the Braves haven't won since the mid-90s. The Hawks have been irrelevant. Hockey can't seem to stick. The Falcons are meh. Atlanta United is the team. And we talk about them a lot. I don't want to talk about them any more than I have to. But I thought it was really interesting how the MLS did win that 2018 Biz of the Year. As per Yahoo Finance, not per any other like sports situation. And speaking of soccer, I can't wait for the season to start. And the home opening schedules were recently released. And we will start kicking off the season March the 3rd at the bank against Sporting Kansas City. So now we segue into LAFC news. Yeah, really excited to get the schedule. Uh, March 3rd, Sunday, March 3rd, opening match against Sporting Kansas City. Of course, for those of you that have followed LAFC last season, you know that the first team to defeat LAFC at home was indeed Sporting Kansas City. Our first loss on home field, a tough loss, and one that I know our fans will not soon forget. In fact, it's already being billed as the revenge game. Opening day, Sunday, March 3rd. Cannot wait to kick things off. A sold-out Bank of California Stadium. It's going to be a fun atmosphere. We're not going to defend the bank. This time around, we are going to avenge the bank. March 3rd, put it on your calendar. Philly and the Scarf will be there. Can't freaking wait. Now, as far as situations that have occurred around the uh, around the club, LAFC just signed Eduardo Atuesta to a three-year deal, so we're going to be hanging on to him for a little while. For those of you who know or don't know, he came over on loan from Independiente Medellin. He played in 25 games for us. He started 16. He had one goal and two assists, but I'm very excited that they signed him to a three-year deal along with Mark Anthony Kay. Welcome back, Eduardo Atuesta. Yeah, Atuesta, the MLS came out with their top 20 22 players under 22 years old, and he was one of four, count them, four of the 22 players that are on LAFC. Number 16 on the list is Eduardo Tuesta, 
And I cannot tell you how happy I am that we are bringing him back into the fold for three years. We're going to see this kid develop in his prime, and it's going to be fun to watch Atuesta out there on the pitch for the next three seasons. Yeah, I'm glad nobody poached him. I'm glad we've kept on to him. Our uh, our midfield and our forwards situations are looking really good. We still have to fix that hole in, in the back line. Recently... I've been watching this on YouTube, and Scarf, I know you've seen this too, and we were talking to him yesterday. Yeah. We had Tuesday, Tuesday tours with Max Bredos, and Max was highlighting the new section that they're going to be putting in the Bank of California Stadium for premier season ticket holders. That's the midfield box. Why don't we talk a little bit about that? Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's a section directly across from Founders where we sit. It'll be just above the Figueroa Club, sort of where the cameras are on our side, but over on the opposite side. It is a dead-centered club right there, right at midfield, above Figueroa Club, so it'll be in like the 200 section, but it'll be set apart from that. Food and drink included up there at the midfield box. It, it looks like it's going to be a beautiful section. You know, I, I do enjoy the shade a little bit, so I'm not <laughs> sure that I would want to sit there for an entire game, but it looks like an absolutely beautiful addition to Bank of California Stadium. One of two, in fact, new additions. Yeah, why don't you gonna, tell us about the other one? Yeah, I don't know that much about that Yeah, one. the 3252, they're going to get an addition. They're going to get an upstairs tenant in the North End Terrace. So from what I've, I've seen and from what I'm envisioning, I believe it's the area almost above the Heineken Bar there. They're going to have some seats on that terraced area up there. So if you couldn't get in to the 3252 this season, I know season tickets in the 3252 were sold out for the 2019 season. You can at least get right above the action. You know, Robin Williams once called Canada a loft apartment over a really great party. <laughs> um, it'll, it'll be a little bit like that, I think, where, you know, we're going to have some of that same raw energy and enthusiasm that everyone loves about the 3252, but it'll be maybe a little bit more of a subdued experience. I don't know. I would love to be proven wrong. Watch the North End Terrace get just as rowdy as the 3252, but really excited again to add two more premium spaces in Bank of California Stadium, the midfield box and the North End Terrace. Possibly might be subdued, but I'll tell you this, it's not going to be for the faint of heart because that noise travels. I remember walking around the stadium with a friend of mine who had been who'd never been to a game and we went to the, uh, the terrace level that was just above, and that noise was ravenous. I can't imagine how loud it's going to be just slightly below that area so if you're listening to this i hope you're full of energy and i hope you jump up and down because that's going to be a fun section to be a part of and i wouldn't mind stealing a seat there every once in a while to experience it. i would love to go check it out so again if you're interested in a premium seat experience if somehow we are the ones breaking news to you on our podcast and you're interested in a premium seat experience talk to your ticket rep call lafc sales department two new spaces midfield box north end terrace coming to you in 2019 all right so along with some of the dates that have come out for the the home openers we also have our dates for our rematch against the carson galaxy mark this down on your calendar ladies and gentlemen july the 19th at the dignity health center wait what no it's not that segment but what is the dignity health center it is the new name of the StubHub Center. Yes, the Dignity Health Group decided to pay the Carson Galaxy a fair amount of money to have the rights to put their name on the StubHub Center. So it will no longer be the StubHub Center. LAFC will be playing the Carson Galaxy July 19th at the Dignity Health Center. And this was even more important, August 25th. Mark that down on your calendar because that's even more important. We're going to get our revenge on them at the bank. And revenge is going to be so sweet. I can't wait to stick it to these guys, man. When it happens, I'm going to take 10 shots of tequila that night. (laughs) 
All right. With Max uh, Bredos. Yeah, we, we've yet to beat the galaxy. I know it's been something that we've talked about, lamented about on this podcast and in our conversations. So El Trafico coming back to Bank of California Stadium August 25th. Did I get that date right? You got it right. All right. No corrections there. Sure. August 25th. And again, if you want to be part of an incredible atmosphere, look, I think all of our games are great. But playing the D.C. United or Minnesota or Real Salt Lake is nothing compared to being able to to experience El Trafico in person. The match against the Carson Galaxy, whether you're home or away, is just one of those matches where you know you you find yourself viscerally involved from from the minute that we have our opening kick. So uh, looking forward to that. Also, I also wanted to talk about Portland. And their home opener now, okay, we open our stadium for the 2019 season March 3rd, but Philly, can you tell us when Portland plays their first home game of next season? Portland will host the Los Angeles Football Club at home for their first game on June the 1st. That's right, you heard it, June the 1st. We will be months into the season. We didn't even start our home opener that late, but the reason being is because Portland is expanding. They have a really big fan base and they are renovating their stadium to add up to 4,000 more seats and it will not be ready until June the 1st. But that gives me plenty of time to start putting all my dimes and nickels away because I want to be at that game when we take it to Portland in Portland. Yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. It gives a little bit more room for all the flannels and beards that are up there to find their seats in Portland. <laughs> uh, that'll be fun for them. June 1st, you know, I definitely will be at that game. We're going to figure out how Philly and the Scarf will make a live appearance over at the stadium there in Portland. We were there, or I was there anyway, for the home opener for Seattle last year for our first game in March. And that was an incredible atmosphere. I've been to other games in Portland before, but never for the black and gold. So that'll be a lot of fun. If you want to come hang out with Philly and the Scarf in Portland, hit us up, Facebook or Instagram at Defenders of the Bank or on Twitter at Defend the Bank, and we can make it happen when we're up there in Portland. That'll be a lot of fun. Yes, and we've been talking for about 30 minutes. I myself need somewhat of a break. And now, a word from the Crickets. All right, I hope you guys appreciate listening to the crickets because every time I hear them, it makes me wish that we had a sponsor. And I believe in the laws of attraction. I believe we will have a really good sponsor for the podcast. I believe that we will succeed. Yes. Okay. You're pulling so, your uh, inner LeVar ball, speaking it out into the universe until it is true. I like it. Yeah, well, hey, I'm going to throw it out there because I'm a glass half full kind of guy. Unfortunately, I, with a glass completely empty drinking kind of guy. I, I bring that up only because if Big Baller Brand wants to sponsor us, hit us up at Defenders of the Bank on Facebook or Instagram. I would love to be sponsored by Big Baller Brand. That'd be fun. This is where I would chime in with the crickets. I don't know if I agree, but <laughs> that's, that's totally fine. Hey, any sponsor is a good sponsor right now. All right, so let's talk a little bit more about LAFC News. Now, we discussed this in the last pod, and... Ramirez, the Brazilian international who once was a stud at Chelsea, there was talks about him being linked to a move to LAFC. Now, 
I don't think that's going to be the case. Number one, he was given $20 million to play in China. Number two, because he tried to force the hands of his agent and the clubs, he tried to basically stage somewhat of a coup d'etat to get himself back into Europe. He got punished by the Chinese team that he played on. In fact, they made him train and play with the B team in the Chinese Super League. He is an international player. He would take up that type of a spot on our roster. The fact that he is so interested in coming over, uh, coming back to Europe, I don't think he's going to be linked to our club. I don't think he's going to play in the MLS. I know for a fact we're not going to offer him $20 million bucks, nor are we going to give up an international slot or a designated player spot for Ramirez. So if I'm wrong... I'm wrong, but I'm just letting you know what the facts that I just read about recently. Now, something that's a little more pertinent, though, is uh, our links to another individual who could potentially be on our team. And this is interesting because it's a defender, and Lord knows we need help in the back. Information that recently hit social media was that LAFC is linked to a 26-year-old Danish-American defender by the name of Ryan Larson. I'm sure you've seen this on Instagram, I know I have. He's been playing in the Danish Superliga for, I'm totally going to butcher this, Odense Bold Club. Now, kid six foot one, which makes him a lot taller than Mohamed El Munir, he's had 89 <laughs> appearances in the Danish Super League. He scored two goals as a defender. Now, the interesting thing about him and why I feel that we might have a shot at bringing him onto our club is because of the fact that he was born in Los Angeles, we would not be giving up an international slot for him. He would basically be an, an American player playing in the MLS. So that is all the information I have in regards to him. Anytime there's talk about a defender coming to our club, I got to ask the questions because I know that's where we're the weakest. So we'll see what goes on with that. But that's what I heard in the rumor mill for possible links and trades to our club. Yeah, you know, I think it's pretty smart when LAFC goes after a guy like this because he's got the international experience that you need coming to the MLS. You want to see players that have experience playing in leagues other than the MLS. And also the fact that he is born in Los Angeles and, and he would count as just a regular roster spot. That, that's a win-win for our team. It, it's Again, it's John Thorrington, it's our ownership, looking beneath the surface and trying to find those players that can really make the most impact in the best way possible. And kudos again to our GM, John Thorrington, doing some more great detective work. If we are able to bring Ryan in, that'd be fantastic. I hope that we do. And again, looking to rebuild that defense should be the main focus of our offseason. I mentioned Arline Collin last podcast. He's still out there, so hoping that LAFC give him a look. There are a lot of other good names out there, so let's rebuild that back line. And I'm sure that's exactly what John Thorrington and the front office are looking into. If we can fix up the holes back there, there is no reason why we can't win the Western Conference. We are that good of a team. We press hard. We unfortunately let in a lot of goals. And if we could have somewhat of a brick wall back there, I think we'd take the whole damn MLS. Yeah, and you know, it all in 2019. We scored almost 70 goals last season. There's no reason to tinker too much with our offense. Obviously, other teams are going to respond in kind, and we'll have to make some adjustments on the fly. But it's our defense. We've talked about it from minute one of this podcast, from minute one of the offseason after that RSL playoff loss. It's our defense from the back line out. We can score with any team in the MLS. We just need to defend with any team in the MLS, and we'll be good to go. Of course. Now, we talked about Ryan Larson coming in from the uh, the international realm, playing in the Danish Superliga. 
But speaking of international, let's talk about the U.S. men's national team and how excited I am that, and how excited you are too, that we had three players picked by Greg Berhalter to uh, to have a cap within this uh, our national team. Obviously, Greg Berhalter, an excellent eye for MLS talent. Most of the time, when you get a team put together in November, December, January. It's mainly MLS players who have done extremely well in the last season or so. So they get a taste of international experience, of what it means to play with Team USA on their chest. And there are three players from LAFC. Of course, Walker Zimmerman has actually worn the captain's armband, I believe, for Team USA. And And scored goals. That's right. He is one of only, I believe, four or five players on this current roster who's actually scored a goal in international competition wearing USA on their jersey. Christian Ramirez, who... I'm so excited for Christian. He's yet to cap, but he has been called in before for the national team. And, of course, the big one for me, as far as I'm concerned, our favorite player, Tyler Miller. Very excited that he is one of the four goalies called in for the national team. He's yet to ever be called in. It'll be his first time in Team USA. And again, that's happening at those training grounds in Carson, right? <laughs> that's funny because no, it isn't. In the past, the U.S. training grounds would normally be in Carson. For those of you who went to the uh, El Trafico match at the StubHub Center, I'm sure you've seen the USA logo around the uh, around the venue on the outside practice fields. However, and I find this as a, uh, a funny thing, I'll call it my ha-ha moment, Greg Berhalter decided to move the training grounds from Carson to Chula Vista. So see you later, Carson. Another ding towards you. Yeah, you know, again, super excited to see. I really hope Tyler Miller gets some action. They've got a couple of games coming up with this squad. Christian Ramirez, he's going to show the world that he can be a first-class goal scorer on the international level. I'm so excited. Local kid from Garden Grove. Obviously, Walker Zimmerman. One of our stars last season really came on towards the end, had more game-winning goals than any other player on our team, had more game-winning goals than any other player on our team last season, something I did not know until I took this amazing quiz that we're (laughs) going to talk about a little bit later on at some point, the uh, inaugural season quiz, 50 questions on LAFC's website. They posted a fantastic quiz and a little bit more on something else on on the LAFC's website in our Wait What moment later in the pod. And just a couple more things in regards to the U.S. men's national team. I wish all of our boys well. Tyler Miller definitely is going to have a very competitive situation. And I know him going against guys like Alex Bono from Toronto and Sean Johnson in NYCFC. And, of course, Zach Steffen with the Columbus Crew and... Manchester City Football Club, he's going to have some really good competition to go against, and I know that's only going to make him better. Walker Zimmerman, I I fully expect him to be on the team, as well as Christian Ramirez. And this is a very young group of individuals that are going to be going to Chula Vista, (laughs) not you, Carson, to go ahead and train. In fact, out of all the guys that Greg Berhalter selected for this window, 13 of them are uncapped. And out of the 10 defenders that Greg Berhalter selected, 7 of them are uncapped. So this is going to be a team that's going to have to really 
figure out Greg Berhalter's system. And it's shown that it can work. I mean, he did it with Columbus. He had a really good system there. But the one thing that he had at Columbus that he doesn't have with this U.S. men's national team, at least this roster, is uh, in Higuain at Columbus Crew, he had an attacking midfielder. There is no real good attacking midfielder on this national team. But we'll see because the U.S. men's national team will get their first test on January the 27th at 5 p.m. against Panama and then another match on February the 2nd against Costa Rica. We are looking to forget about that embarrassing loss against Trinidad and Tobago, which essentially wiped us out of the World Cup fixtures. So I wish the boys well. I hope you guys make it. I hope the U.S. men's national team finally turns it around. And, of course, good luck to their new coach, Greg Berhalter. We've pretty much discussed a lot of things on this pod thus far. We're going to wrap it all up in a second. But, of course, I can't go into it without having one more word from our sponsors. All right, welcome back to Defenders of the Bank, episode three of your new favorite LAFC podcast. Before we get into our last segment, just want to give a quick shout out to one of my new Instagram friends at the makings of snubs on Instagram. Absolutely beautiful custom made LAFC Christmas ornaments at the makings of snubs, S N U B B S, on Instagram. Please make sure to check them out. Again, wonderful homemade ornaments. So thank you so much for the wonderful Christmas gifts and follow on Instagram at the makings of snubs. We've gone over a ton of different things, but I think it's time for one of our favorite segments, our wait what moment of the episode. And this is a bit of a twofold wait what moment. The first one, a little bit more lighthearted for me. I was reading a fantastic article on LAFC's website by Vince LaRosa. And Vince, well done with this article. My wait what moment, or at least what I thought was going to be my only wait what moment of the episode involves our grass. That's right, the pitch that we play on. Oh, that grass. Yeah, a great article called The Unsung Hero of Bank of California Stadium. I I got excited by the headlines, so I clicked on the article. And our grass, particularly Latitude 36 Bermuda grass. That's right, write it down, Latitude 36 Bermuda grass is the type of grass that we use on our field at LAFC on the pitch. Bank of California Stadium is the only stadium that utilizes Latitude 36 Bermuda grass across the entire MLS, and it's the only grass that has its own website. That's right, Latitude 36 Bermuda grass probably has more followers and subscribers right now than the Defenders of the Bank (laughs) podcast does. So true, sad but true. Yeah, great article though by Vince LaRosa. If you haven't been over to the LAFC website and read this article, please head on over. Great article, Vince, the unsung hero of Bank of California Stadium, our first of what has become two wait what moments of the podcast, the fact that our grass, Latitude 36 Bermuda grass, has its own website. But... In other news around MLS, our second wait what moment, Philly. Now, this is one that caught me by surprise. Laurent Simon has been linked to a potential move to Toronto FC. Yes, that is correct. The Laurent Simon, who was our captain, who scored that game-winning goal at our home opener against the Sounders. That same Laurent Simon who left partway through the season in order to go to the French League to play for Dijon is in a situation in which... Dijon is willing to let him go for free, 
And he is looking into Toronto, which in a way is kind of odd because they were clearly the Montreal Impact's biggest rival. But my initial reaction about this wasn't exactly positive. And I don't think you're really happy about that either, are you, Scarf? No, I. he was my first favorite player on LAFC. And, you know, I've got my Laurent Simon t-shirt. I do too. Uh, the, the general, so does the panda. I mean, I got to tell you, he's... One of those guys that made me believe that the superhuman was possible, watching his free kicks and watching the way he controlled the back line, at least before he went to World Cup duty with Belgium, he was one of those players that I loved so much, especially early on. I mean, Simon was the heart and soul of our back line, the heart and soul of our team. I mean, it took us four or five games to just figure out how to fill that void in the back line once he left. We had that fantastic long mural banner over our over the 3252, the general, Laurent Simon. It was just seeing him go was heart-wrenching enough, but to have to possibly host him or play them in Toronto while he's suiting up for TFC, oh, I mean, I'm already not a big fan of Michael Bradley and Josie Altidore, so I have enough of a reason not to like Toronto. I'm bummed if if Laurent comes back and comes back so quickly. This isn't something where he's played several seasons for Belgium and now he's at the end of his career. So he wants to come back to where he had a fantastic time with Montreal and with, of course, LAFC. But like you mentioned, you're coming back to one of Montreal's rivals. Montreal loves you and adores you for everything that you gave to them up there. And now, I mean, look, it would be like one of our favorite players leaving the Mets and signing with the Yankees. (laughs) There's too many of our favorite players that left the Mets and, and signed on to the Yankees. and ended up true. doing things that were fantastic. We never had a no-hitter until the questionable Johan Santana one. And then, of course, David Cohn goes, Dwight Gooden goes. These are guys who rocked it for us. Absolutely. But the minute they wear pinstripes, they're throwing no-nos. That pisses me off, actually, that you brought that up. <laughs> yeah, you know, again, I, I don't know how positively I'm going to feel about the general playing for TFC if he does. But, you know, look, I have to say on that game, I'll have my scarf jersey on over the top, but it'll probably be my my Laurent Simon t-shirt underneath, even though we'll be playing him on TFC. Look, Canada's got great health care, and we all know of the situation that Laurent has with his with his daughter. He had a great system set up for himself in Montreal. I know coming to L.A. wasn't what he wanted. In fact, he was told by Montreal that they would not trade him away, but in fact, they did as a result of the, uh, the draft that occurred. But look... Any time family's involved, if you're making a decision on your career based on wanting to do something better for your family, I know that I would, and I know that Scarf would, and anybody out there listening would. So if he's doing this with you know those type of intentions, I can't fault the man. If I see him wearing those colors, I'm not going to be too thrilled, but... He did provide us with one of the greatest thrills I've ever had going to a live sporting event. And I'll never forget that goal against Seattle in the 90-plus minute for the rest of my life. He gave us such a thrill. So, look, Laurent, if you're doing this for that reason, God bless you, buddy. I do have your jersey. I will wear it that day that you return to the stadium. But, of course, I still miss you and wish you were still our captain. You were a hell of a player and... Welcome back to the MLS, I guess. Those are our two wait what moments of the podcast. On to our last small bit of a segment that we have left. And something that we decided to do, of course, around the holidays, 
Philly and the Scarves Christmas wish list. Yes, and I could start off by saying, all I want for Christmas is a center back, a center back. We need a center back. I think that's the third time you've sung on this episode's podcast. That's that's pretty impressive. Uh, I'm not going to quit my day job, I promise. <laughs> all right, so first on my Christmas wish list, this one's a little selfish, but a little close to my heart as well. I can't wait to see the first brand new scarf of 2019 and the LAFC headquarters there at Bank of California Stadium. I will gladly purchase the first new scarf of 2019 to add another one. Yeah, it'll be number 55, the double nickel in my collection. Very excited about my collection of LAFC scarves. So for me, the first thing on my holiday wish list, the first new scarf of 2019. What's next on your wish list, Philly? I don't think I have too many things I, I really want. I just want the season to start. I want it. I want us to do well. I want us to win. No, I'll tell you what. I want the MLS Cup. That's my wish list. 2019, I want the freaking MLS Cup. I, I want us it. to win. I want us to not just beat everybody. I want us to embarrass everybody. I want our foes to tremble in the wake of the 32-52. That is what I want. <laughs> if you guys could see Philly's face right now, he is way into this. I'm turning last, red, baby. I'm turning red. Last on my wish list, I would love to see what our third kit is going to look like. It has been talked about on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I would love to see what our third kit's going to look like. We only had two last season, so I can't wait to see what our third is going to look like. That's going to be a lot of fun. So maybe underneath my tree next year for Christmas will be a the scarf-branded third kit of LAFC. What about the scarf-branded scarf? Yeah, you know, we'll have, actually, it's funny you mentioned that. We'll have a little bit more to talk about on a later podcast about a a possible scarf-branded scarf, scarf uh, for LAFC before opening day. We all also, by the way, will be having pins and other stickers and other fun stuff. So keep following us on at Defenders of the Bank on Facebook and Instagram and on Twitter at Defend the Bank. And that's going to pretty much conclude episode three Uh, Thank you guys for making this your new favorite LAFC podcast. This will be our last episode before 2019. And, uh, of course, on behalf of Philly, I definitely want to say thank you for a wonderful first three episodes. It's been a fun couple of months recording Defenders of the Bank. And I cannot wait to see what 2019 brings for us. Big things to come. Merry Christmas to all of you. Happy New Year's to all of you. Can't wait to see you guys in 2019. Can't wait to be back in the bank. Can't wait to scream and yell for the black and gold. Happy holidays. Be safe. Happy New Year's. This is Philly in the Scarf signing out for... Defenders of the Bank. Bye-bye.